Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 128. We are covering the Northern Trust on the PGA Tour plus the ISPS Hander Welsh Open on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have Golf Betting System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How you doing? I'm okay. Have you actually got broadband in the middle of nowhere where you are this week? I have, and they appear to have upgraded it to a fibre version. So wow. we, may, we may even get through a podcast while I'm Fi- away. Fibre in <laughs> deepest East Anglia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite impressive, actually. So, uh, yes, fingers crossed we make it through an hour of podcast and mm. uh, manage to get it uploaded later. We have no Barry. He is God knows where in Ireland playing um, one of the best golf courses available to man. So uh, he's uh, he's not with us this week. And there will not be a podcast next week because I am on holiday. So we'll be back for the week after, which I believe will be the Tour Championship on the, on the PGA Tour. Visit the Golf Betting System with betting previews containing tips, masses of tournament statistics and our predictor model, all available completely free of charge. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. The amount of subscribers we are getting from you guys, it's absolutely fantastic. Please keep it up. We are available on social media. On Twitter, Paul is at Golf Betting. Let's drive him towards those 10,000 uh, 10, followers. I am at Bamford Golf. If you fancy a bit of Barry, he's at A Good Talk Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Please look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. We have just... I set the viewers, Paul, this week a challenge to get us through a 1,000 subscribers. And as ever, they have delivered. So a 1,000 subscribers now on the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel. Very nice. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you can. You do not know how it helps to drive the numbers in terms of visibility on Apple Podcasts. And uh, that just translates to far more listeners. So if you can do that for us, listeners, that would be fantastic. I must say... We are getting masses of reviews, and thank you to each and every one of you. I will read out a couple right now. Title, Great Pod, five stars. Great pod, guys. Look forward to it every week. It makes the commute to work enjoyable for a day at least. Only discovered a few weeks ago, but have already traded for some decent profit on the exchange. Chris Kirk was a personal fave just a few weeks ago. Keep up the good work. That's from Elliot in Leicester. El Mundo. So Elliot in Leicester. Thank you for that review. One more. Stick with the best is the title. Five stars. Don't try and keep up listening or to or watching all of the new DFS programs out there. Deep experience matters. Stick with the best insight and crew in the business who have been there before. There is no better product out there. Keep up the great work, guys! Exclamation mark. That is from Ski Yo Ma. So Ski, appreciate your very valuable comments. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to both of you uh, for your positive and 
Uh, kind feedback. Very much appreciated. I hope I hope things are clearing up a little bit in Leicester with the uh, COVID aspects that they've been going through up there. So um, that's a, that's just a mention for Elliot there. Right. Plenty of golf this week, Paul. I'm not going to go mm. into too much detail about last week. I know you and I had each way payouts. Yours could have been so much more, though. 90 to 1 you were on board with Connor Sim, weren't you? Connor Sim, yeah. He was a 54-hold leader, wasn't he? Mm. Um, couldn't quite get it going on the on the Sunday. Did have, did have a chance, to be fair, once they... Uh, once they came back after their um, lightning suspension, made a couple of birdies, got back to with a winner the shot of the lead. Actually, you know, you, you look at it, and he still had a chance going down the last couple of holes if uh, things had gone his way. But uh, Sam Horsfield right now is pretty unstoppable. He's, he's he's got that bit between his teeth, isn't he? And he's uh, he's notched two wins in the space of three weeks, and uh, there's much more to come about Sam. I was saying to you off, off air yesterday. I think he's one of those players who. You'll see venture over to the uh, to the PGA Tour before too long, and uh, and should be able to hold his own. I'd imagine he's got a lot of game for uh, for a player who's still relatively uh, relatively young and making his way through on the on the European Tour. What are his strengths? It's all round, Steve. There's you know he's long enough, he's straight enough, he's uh, he, he can part, he hits a lot of greens, he uh, can scramble. I mean, there's um, if you if you've got a game that. Um, you know, there's no discernible flaws there. Um, then you're going to be able to compete in a lot of situations, and uh, a lot of it's between the ears. But he seems to have overcome that to to have notched two wins in the you know in very quick succession to have bounced back from a miscut in the uh, intervening week and and win again last week is um, shows a lot of ability, I think, and a lot of mental fortitude. And of course, he's playing again this week, so uh, his, his price has been um, continually scythed over the last few weeks as he's been playing well. Um, second favourite this week, so uh, can he do three and four? Big ask, but uh, seems to be seems to be right at the top of his game at the moment. He's clearly a talent. I mean, University of Florida grad, and right. um, he's got that. He's got that. Um, American amateur background. I mean, he was twenty. He was runner-up in the twenty sixteen Western Amateur, yeah. uh, which is a big, big tournament over there. Where he um, he got beat by Dylan Meyer in twenty sixteen. You know, you just go through the. You know, Doc Redman was runner-up there in twenty seventeen. Uh, we've got people like Bo Hosler who won that in twenty fourteen. He beat Xander Schauffele, and that's uh, Aaron Wise. I'm seeing there's a lot of names that we now. Patrick Cantlay was runner-up in that in twenty eleven. So. He's yeah. clearly got a heritage behind him, Horsfield. And if he goes out to the States, you know, with his Florida background, he clearly knows how to play American golf courses. So, mm. as you said, a lot of game. Looks like the kind, the sort that could get a decent grounding in Europe over the next season or two and then make a charge over to America and make some proper money. Yeah, well, you'd expect him to stick around for... Well, I mean, he's in, he's in the top, top 100 of the world. I guess it depends how... Quickly sees his career progressing, but um, you know if he gets another win or two over the next six months, then he's going to be knocking on the door to the top fifty, and doors open up at that point, don't they? You can you can you can start to plan a different kind of schedule as you uh, as you move forward. Interesting Talk- to watch his career, I think. Yeah, talking of that, it was I thought it was very. I mean, you had a lot of decent players last week scrambling for their top one twenty five FedEx Cup positions at the Wyndham. I mean, Shane yeah. Lowry. He was on the bubble, big style, uh, the Open champion. Got through, which shows the kind of quality you're dealing with. 
with a player of Lowry. Um, it was. I thought it was very, very pleasing. I mean, he's a local lad to both of us. Um, it was good to see Tom Lewis manage to qualify mm. in the top 125. Yeah. Um, and that's no mean feat. I mean, a couple of months ago, before he went on a decent run, uh, uh, um, you know, interestingly enough, when actually the tour went up upstate, all of a sudden his results started to get a bit better on on lower scores, lower scoring golf courses. Yeah. But Lewis came through, and that that performance he pulled together at the WGC at St Jude was the was the real foundation to get that top one twenty five spot. Yeah, big big career turnaround from Lewis over the last year eighteen months because he he gone right off the boil, didn't he? After yeah. after winning the Portugal Masters, what 2010, 2011, something like that, and um, you know he's, he's he's now in a position to, well, as you say, he's made his way through to the playoffs at the, on the PGA Tour, and you know two or three good weeks here, and it's, um. You know, it's another step up career-wise. It's very, very impressive. The money in these playoffs, Paul. Oh, that's which it's it's it, they. We're going through a COVID crisis, and the money's gone up year on year from last year. It's just if you if you're a professional golfer, you've you've just got to head out to the United States if if you've got that ability. On the downside from last week, not Russell Knox did. These are players that didn't make the top one twenty-five. Now it doesn't make. There's no issues this year in terms of cards. They'll still be able to play uh, next year on the PGA Tour. But Knox, we had Rafa Cabrillo Bayo, uh, we had Matt Wallace, Sergio Garcia, and also from a European perspective, Danny Willett. None of those made the top 125. That just shows you how competitive it is in on the PGA Tour. Oh, yeah, big star, big star. Some big names there who uh, you'd expect to be competing, you know, not just at these uh, these kind of events, but uh, you know, at, at major championships as well. So for them not to even make it through to the to the final stages of this year's uh, FedEx Cup mm. is uh, yeah, a surprise, but there you go. I landed Kevin Kisner each way at 50-1. to one. And pleased enough with that, you know, it was pretty yeah. stress three. The the thing that really got me with Kisner was after a very, very pedestrian um Thursday when he only shot one under, um, that pretty much killed, you know, it, it's such a drag strip that place. Mm. If you're eight or nine shots back after Thursday, to actually win is gonna be a massive effort, which made actually Jim Herman's victory. Even more impressive. I worked it through that after at the cut he was five under. Yeah. Now that kind of kept him in it because if you remember, I think it was three or four tied at ten under. The scoring in the opening to couple of rounds, there was a lot of rain in the build up and the rough was a little bit higher than it usually was, and it actually kept the lid on scoring just a tiny bit. Normally thirteen under leads after two days, it was in ten under and they were all tied. And then Herman with that. 61-63 weekend, absolutely incredible. How can you, how can you call a Jim Herman six hundred to one? That just says everything, doesn't it? But he's a bet to nothing, wins. though, isn't he? He's a he's a Ted Potter Junior. Yeah, when he, he actually is, yeah. gets in contention, you might as well throw. You know, he, he actually just gets the job done. He's, you can't read him, can you? Look at his incoming form for any of his wins and. They're all the same, aren't they? One of them was off the back of like twenty-three oh. out of twenty-five missed cuts or something. It was, There's nothing. It, <laughs> There's nothing. He barely scraped a cut over the last few weeks on the PJ Tour, then then wins this week. Going back to Kisner, he shot sixty-four in round two. 
he then proceeded 65 in round three and then a closing 64, which got him up to third spot. So mm. fantastic play from Kisner. Just bear that in mind potentially for this week. But yeah, Herman, 61, backed it up with a 63 Sunday, only matched by Denny McCarthy. Yeah. It's interesting what you say about uh, Herman and Ted Potter. And it's, again, you know, I'm, I'm not going to keep going on about Matt Every, but it's, uh, they're, they're three players that you could um, you'd put in the same kind of bracket where they're always a mad price. They always do something um, off the the least of form when you when when you see them at the top of a leaderboard or the top of a first round leaderboard. Um, and I suspect if you tied it up over a longer period of time, the money you get paid out, the odds you get paid out on these players when they do convert, and they do convert, and they, you know, Ted Potter does win, Jim Herman does win. Um, they're just blind bets. They're, you know, they're kind of players that you've just got to ignore everything that's staring in the face and just uh, just stick a couple of quid on each week. And when they win, happy days. And this has got nothing to do with a. This has got nothing to do with like uh, status within golf. Um, clearly, a Tony Fee now that's only won once on the PGA Tour is a is a better player than yeah. Jim Herman. But you cannot argue that Jim Herman has three PGA Tour titles. You look at someone like Patrick Cantlay, always priced with the elites. He's a he's a high class sort. Yeah. But you actually look at the you know brass tacks. He's won twice on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Herman yeah. three times. Ted Potter yeah. Jr couple of times and like you say they're at 500 and 600 to one a pop yeah another one James Harm's another one he's not yeah, been so Harm. much recently yeah he's had a couple of victories isn't he too yeah just for, from nothing yeah there's a few players like this who you could just make a, a, a short list of I'm, I'm, you know every time I see his name regardless of what his form looks like just back him and uh, and, and take that four five six hundred to one win when it comes around in that bluest of moons the only tournament where Jim Herman, since the resumption, had done anything at all, I think he was like a top 30 finish, something like that, was at Harbour Town. And that link between Harbour Town and Sedgefield Country Club is huge. Mm, yeah. Now, it's you're still not going to pick him at 600 to 1, but it is a massive, massive link. But uh, yeah, Jim Herman get, got the job done. Now... Let's move forward to this week. We've got two fantastic tournaments. The Northern Trust. It's a confusing situation this week. Uh, Where do we start? Right, okay, let's start from the very top. The FedEx Cup playoffs are now um, three legs. So we have this week, which is the Northern Trust. It's being played at TPC Boston. Some people are going... You know, if you're regular or new to golf betting, TPC Boston. It's basically the old Deutsche Bank golf course. Now, what they've done is, because it used to be four legs and we've now reduced it to three, they had to come up with a deal. So the Northern Trust is the opening leg, as it always has been. But where previously it always used to be played effectively around New York, to get the deal, to get two tournaments to merge into one, what they're going to do is one tournament in New York, then the next year they'll play TPC Boston in Boston, Massachusetts. And that's the way it's going to work. So, in terms of course form, and Paul, you've pulled all this together this week. There's been masses of work. The course form that we need for this week's Northern Trust is actually the course form that you used to get at the Deutsche Bank, which then became, for one year only, the Dell Technologies Championship in 2018. Clearly, last year it wasn't played. So what you're going to see, if everything runs true in the future, and it's difficult to say that these days, 
is that in, in um, 2020, 2022, 2024, you're going to get this uh, first leg of the playoffs in Boston and the odd years you're going to get them in the New York area. Your Ridgewood Country Clubs, your Beth Page Blacks, your yeah. Plainfield Country Clubs, those kind of golf courses. Yeah, as okay. you say, it does, does make it a little confusing. We, As you said, we've got on the website stats from both this tournament, going back historically, mm-hmm. um, for for consistency of, of approach. So if you're looking at who's done well at this particular tournament where they've cut it down to 125 players, then you've got all of that data. You've also got the TPC Boston course form as well with the field attached to it. So you can look at it from both angles and, and draw your own conclusions from there. But, uh, but yeah, I, the, the very fact that it's being played at Boston and we do have this wealth of... Um, Data oh, yeah. going back from the oh, uh, 03, from I think, was it? 2003? Yeah, yeah. 2003, all the way up to uh, Bryson's win in 2018. So there's a stack of data there to, to look through. So hopefully it gives um, listeners a, a bit of a steer as to the kind of players that should go well this week um, at Boston. So we're in Boston. We have a full field of 125 players. I can't remember the last time that happened. There's always like someone like Sergio or... A number of players have the week off in the first leg. They've mm. clearly got their edge around. You can't actually do that. And it, I mean, let's be frank: 125 players. It is a mini major. In fact, to all intents and purposes, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the best tournament of the whole year. It's got to be up there with the players. Now, don't forget as well: top 125 this week. That becomes 70 next week when they move to Chicago. So we've got some decent quality players outside that top 70. I mean, Harold Varner III is at 73. Alex Noren at 78. Siwoo Kim, who's been performing heroics, he's at 82. Ian Poulter's at 85. Ricky Fowler at 88. Tommy Fleetwood at 89. I mean, these guys are not going to the next leg of the playoffs unless they do something this week. No, Bro- no, the, the biggest one... Oh. Sorry, from them positions, they've got to. It, there must be a top five, you know, top seven yes. kind of position that you're going to need to to, to progress from that uh, that kind of range. I guess ninety or hundred within the that the Phoenix Cup is a very valid point because I've only just noticed this morning. Now, last week was the first time they did this. This three legs, the winner was getting two thousand FedEx Cup points. Mm. They've reduced that because. Players basically, you know, they had a chat at the end of the season. What worked, what didn't. They they wanted it reduced. So it's 1,500 points now for the victory. So there shouldn't be as much movement, yeah, within... Because people were saying, well, actually, I've played well all year and all of a sudden this guy's finished third. I've been booted out of the Tour Championship but played nine months of great golf. So they've got to this... They're trying to just ease off slightly on the volatility. Yeah, you've got yeah. you've got Brooks Kepka at ninety seven, Louis Oosthuizen at ninety nine, Spieth at one hundred. I mean, these are big big names. Justin Rose at one oh nine. Nice. Shane Lowry's at one twenty two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just he's basically he's basically got a win or finish second, something like that to to get forward. Wow. So you're going to get some casualties this week. But also, these are big carrots because we're talking mega, mega, mega money. The winner of all this gets $15 million. <laughs> the runner-up at Eastlake gets $3 million. And I think uh, from my from my preview, even if you get to Eastlake in 30th and finish bottom, it's $330,000 bonus on top 
of what you earn in that physical tournament as well. Yeah. So you're taking home 400k for getting to Georgia to get into uh, to Atlanta this year. Yeah, and it also gives you top 30 or making East Lake also gives you uh, access to a lot of the future tournaments the following year from memory as well. Yep. So uh, so yeah, big carrot to make it through and uh, you know clearly these players who are sitting outside of the top 70 at the moment need to uh, need to put a decent week in if they're going to be playing next week. So what I've tried to do is marry up what you need to do at Boston. And you know me, I do like looking at history. And I just like looking at what we've seen in the past. Now, clearly, we've seen we've seen now since, was it 2009, I think, was this current kind of guys? We've seen a lot of first legs of the playoffs. And it was just interesting to see what those players had done you know, previous to winning. So I'm, I'm taking you on a journey back here. This, so this is the Northern Trust. Forget about where we're playing. This is just, this is just the tournament. So if I go back to 2010, Matt Kuchar hadn't won for 10 months before he won that year, the, uh, the Barclays as it was. Uh, we then go 2011. Dustin Johnson, he hadn't won for 12 months, yeah, before he won the Barclays mm. at Plainfield. Nick Watney, he hadn't won for 13 months before winning the first leg of the playoffs. You think, okay. Right. We then go to Adam Scott, 2013. He'd won the Masters, but effectively hadn't won another PGA Tour event for four months. And it's it's just a kind of, you, you just keep seeing this. Hunter Mahan hadn't won for three and a half years before he won in 2014. We were on board that week at 50-1. to 1. You've then got the likes of Patrick Reed. The first time he won it at Bethpage Black, he hadn't won for 21 months. Dustin Johnson was the world number one when he won in 2017 at Glen Oaks, but he hadn't won since the world match play back in March. Uh, we got Bryson DeChambeau. He hadn't won for three months. And then last year, Patrick Reed, who I know you were on, I think Barry was on as well, he hadn't won since the Masters the year before, so 16 months of golf before he'd had his last professional victory. That's a pattern there. That's a pattern of good players that actually haven't won for a period of time. The only guy that blows that into the weeds was Jason Day, who had that incredible hot patch back in 2015 when he was winning every tournament he turned up for, effectively. He came here straight off the back of winning the PGA at Whistling Straits and smoked this as well. Does bode well for one of the players that I've backed, um, looking at it from that angle, which I'll go and, and, and Pete will be going, Steve, what are you talking about? How can you know how can you actually be spouting the fact that we need to be looking for guys that haven't won for months or years? Well, I'm just reading the facts effectively. Um if you take that trend and you say, well, where does that take us to right now? That basically says that no one that's actually won a tournament since the resumption of the PGA Tour should actually win this. The only one that potentially could would be someone like a Colin Morikawa, who comes straight off the PGA. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that this continues. I'm not saying that in these post-COVID times these trends do continue, but it's something to bear in mind. I mean, one of my tips uh, won a few weeks ago, so you know, I'm not following it. Uh, completely, but it's definitely an angle that I, I have used to help shape my selections this week. So that's the trend of the Northern Trust, the first stop off. Doesn't matter about the course, but that is a trend that we've seen at this first leg of the playoffs. 
That actually completely changes in the second leg because what you then tend to get are people that are really manoeuvring to try and get that number one spot. Mm. Not that the number one spot at the Tour Championship actually converts. <laughs> I think for the po- you know, there's eight a long, long time. The number one going into the Tour Championship actually hasn't taken home the prize. No, no. But they want to get themselves in those top five spots, don't they? Where the uh, you know, it, it, it's all in their own hands. The, uh, the the way that it pans out is down to them. If they win the tournament at Eastlake, then uh, then that's the mark. Well, don't forget, it's changed now, isn't it? We're actually well, work, no, we're, yeah, right. we're working off this ten under leading, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, a, it's yeah. the same kind of thing because yeah, I was looking next, at this again. If we actually look at look at Rory when he won the um, at Eastlake last year, he was fifth in the FedEx Cup. So mm. what I think he'd have started what five under. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes it, what, makes it more and more difficult, doesn't it? The further. Well, I think what it means is that you're going to get some of the some of the guys that are actually quite thoughtful and think through things. They might actually just like you said, they want to get close to the top, but they don't want to be at the top of that leaderboard starting in two weeks' time. And let's should we actually just run through the top of the actual FedEx Cup standings as they are at the moment? We've got JT at one, Colin Morikara at two, Webb Simpson at three, Bryson DeChambeau at four, and Sung J Im at five. So people will be what players will be wanting to burst into one of those top five spots, preferably not number one. So is it so is it, you know, is JT just gonna turn up and blast them this week? Well, it's all yeah. about time in your run as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's time in your run, exactly. It's like you don't want to be caught offside, do you? No. Interesting dynamics this week. Now, we also have a golf tournament and we also have a golf course to talk about. TPC Boston. It is, I'm looking at the scorecard right now, it's a 7,308 yard par 71. Um. When you look at this golf course, to me, it always looks like an inland links course. You get a lot of that linksy kind of long grass if you're really way off the fairways. Quite a few undulations around the greens. Some greens that are quite cantered. Some deep bunkering around the greens as well. But it's nowhere near the coast. It's actually southwest of Boston, about 40 miles out of the centre of Boston. It's a relatively short course at 7,300 yards for a par 71. Um, it's not at altitude. It's pretty low in its altitude. So, But what you do see here, is, and you know, I think this is pretty critical. Well, it's been very critical in the way I look at it. You've only got to look at the last four winners here. Fowler, McElroy, Thomas and DeChambeau. They can hit the golf ball a long way, all four of those guys. Mm. In fact, the year that they actually, when they were actually entering this tournament, these were their ranks for driving distance, all drives, yeah? So all drives. I'm not looking at the headline driving distance number. Every drive recorded on the PGA Tour that particular season as they entered or arrived in Boston. Fowler was 30th for distance. McElroy won't be surprised. He was fourth. Justin Thomas was eighth. Bryson DeChambeau, this was... This was slightly before what we get at the moment. He was 26th for driving distance, all drives. Mm. So, for, to me, this is a bomber's paradise, this golf course. It's just, if you could, again, long and straight wins a lot of uh, golf contests, and this week it's exacerbated, in my opinion. 
that's kind of shown in some of the season long or these key statistics we see as well. Um, I've taken uh, 2018, 2010 through 2018 for traditional skill sets and also for strokes gain skill sets. The winners here, um, driving distance 18th, accuracy 30th, greens in reg 19th. You don't have to be in the top 10 for greens in regulation this week, by the way. Proximity to hole 23rd, scrambling 14th, got to have a bit of a short game, putting average 6th. So again, got to be getting the ball in the hole. Doesn't yeah, doesn't necessarily yeah, yeah it doesn't necessarily mean that you're banging 35 40 feet putts and your strokes game putting numbers are amazing eight feet ten feet you're converting a few thanks for coming mm-hmm. uh, in terms of off the tee last three winners McElroy Thomas Deschambeau strokes gain off the tee 13th that is big approach ninth not as big as we saw at the Wyndham last week again Jim Herman was second for strokes gained approach and he won the tournament last year at Sedgefield. Accurate approaches isn't as critical, but it's clearly important. Strokes gained around the green, 22nd. Strokes gained T to green, 3rd. Strokes gained putting, 7th. So you do need to be a positive putter this week. But T to green made up more, far more of off the tee this week than last week. And slightly less on approach is critical. Also... I'm just looking at previous rankings. The last three winners of this have all ranked in the top 23 for birdie average, entering, uh, driving into Boston. Also in the top 40 for par 5 birdie or better, and in the top 50 for going for the green. So they're aggressive sorts. And you can see why looking at this golf course, Paul. I mean, I know that you, you... there are some very, very short holes. I mean, the opening hole is a 365-yard par four. Yeah. Now, I might be imagining things, but I'm seeing the likes of Cameron Champ and Bryson DeChambeau now averaging 340 yards off the tee. Oh, well, they can take a pop at that kind of hole now. You know, and, it is, Bryson, and you look at the course map, it's dead straight. Yeah. Bryson, when he's presented with anything in the 350 bracket thereabouts, he's, he's just going to get it as close as he possibly can if he sticks it in the greenside bunker or he's uh, you know there's a little chip little pitch going into the green then so be it and he'll take his chances from there the fourth is a 298 yard par four we'd actually for someone like Bryson and Cameron Champ now is a what a three wood something like that yeah. uh, you think full beans You've got a 600-yard par five, which again for Deschambeau, he must be just like, well, I can be, I could be potentially getting there with a mid iron, where a lot of them will be going fairway woods. Uh, we've then got on the back, we've got a 425-yard par four. I mean, he can pretty much bunt it close to the front of that green. Uh, we've got a 421-yard par four and a 412-yard par four. We've also got a 530-yard par five. Yeah. This to me, you know, I've looked at the stats. You looked at how players have been playing recently. Also, the last three winners of this: Deschambeau, Thomas, and McElroy. Bear in mind, it was then the Deutsche Bank Stroke Dell Technologies. In their previous outing, they had all ranked in the top. Uh, let me quote this right. I don't want to get my stats wrong for the listeners. They had all ranked in the top seven for strokes gained T to green the outing before at the Barclays. Mm. And that's exactly where I'm at, really. Yeah. I genuinely think, when I look at this betting board, when I look at the fact, you know, that the as it, this is a major betting card again, isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, we've, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got There's four, not many missing, is there? We've got four elite players at the top of the betting who are all 12 to 1, maximum 14 to 1. DeChambeau is kind of the favourite. He's got shorter odds than the rest. DeChambeau won. Justin Thomas is a 12 to 1 shot. Rory McElroy, a 14 to 1 shot. John Rahm, a 14 to 1 shot. Who would you back? At the very top, I think. <sighs> This does, and I don't want to steal your thunder in terms of where you've gone, but I think if I was backing one at the very top, then it would be Bryson. I think mm-hmm. it does play to all his strengths. Yeah, it's um, you know, he's going to look at the the, the course. He's already a course winner. He's going to look at the course and uh, and think, well, with my game as it is right now, the way I've honed my game, the way I've developed my game, um, lends itself pers- perfectly to TPC Boston. He's won this event before. He's won this course before. He's got got to be coming into this week with some uh, some serious confidence. I think. I think I counted it up. It's is it? Um, I don't know why I'm asking you. I actually wrote. I actually read the or actually wrote the um, <laughs> the, the preview, which you can clearly uh, access at Golf Betting System. I think he'd be slightly disappointed with this year. Just. I know it sounds ridiculous. Nine top tens, but only one victory. And I think DeChambeau's an animal. He, he wants more. And that victory was the Rocket Mortgage Classic. I think he enters this with a lot of momentum. Uh, his first ever top five at a major. Last time out. That will boost his confidence no end. The way that he actually mixed it with the best in the world at a major venue. He's clearly the defending champion at the course, but he isn't the defending champion. That'll take a lot of stress. All that stress is with Patrick Reed. Um, so he's not going to get a lot of media and sponsorship stuff that he needs to do. But actually, you know, Bryson version 1.0 won around here. I think I think Bryson version 2.0 is even more suited to this golf course. It's also worthy of note, and I keep hearing this a lot on some content this week. You know, you know, shorties have one around here. Chris Kirk, Webb Simpson. They've added, they've added well over a hundred yards to this golf course since those days, and it's just playing more and more into the bombers' hands. That's my opinion. So, I just of the top four, and Bryson's also so bloody minded that he does not give a damn about FedEx Cup rankings or where he is when he enters Eastlake. He just wants to win. Mm. I think he could just run away with it. So I've gone three points a win just to get him on my card. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see the logic. As I say, if, it, if there was one at the top of the market that I was going to go with, and I, I may still, I may still have a little saver on. on just price. a little win saver. I'm not one of these sorts that can put four points each way on a twelve to one shot, and then basically I've got no perspective. Whip, isn't it? I've got no scope to go any lower. No. Any juicy players that I fancy. Mm. So you're with me. You'd you'd go Bryson at the top, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only name that I would be vaguely in, and in terms of DraftKings teams, a lot of those for me are going to be built around Bryson. I think. Are you surprised he's not? Are you, are you surprised he's not actually the most expensive on DraftKings this week? Well, you're always going to get a little bit of variance between the, uh, the 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 way the odds board stacks out and the way the DraftKings pricing works as well. But uh, there's not much in here at the very top, as you'd expect. You've got players mm. who are all in that kind of. Same bracket, the ten to eleven thousand, you know, in, in the ten to sixteen to one kind of bracket on the on the odds in terms of the bookies. So yeah, but yeah, he'll, he'll be overweight for me in terms of uh, in terms of how I use him on on DK this week. I often hear at these things as well. 
you get a lot of this. Oh, it's a major field. One of the one of the top boys is going to win it. Well, it isn't always the case, is it? You know, we've already gone through the winners of this and who's actually won it in the past. Mm. Um, you've got to bear in mind that some of the elite players who are building up to the PGA Championship, they have to have kind of. They can't just. They're not machines, as I always say. They just cannot play the best golf all of the time. Um, we have a scenario here where um, Watney, Mahan, and Patrick Reed last year was fiftieth in the FedEx Cup playoffs when he won this tw- uh, last year at uh, Liberty National. Patrick Reed. So he yeah. was out. He was out of position. Mahan was sixty-seven, a uh, sixty-second rather. Nick Watney was 49th in the FedEx Cup standing. So they were entering these playoffs knowing that they needed to do something big to get into the playoff, uh, uh, the East Lake um, Tour Championship. For the life of me, I mean, I I would have liked a bigger price, but Jason Day just fits like a hand in a glove this week. He really does. He hasn't won now. Since May 2018. So that's two and a quarter years that he hasn't won a big tournament. Now, when he, I just, I, I dug this out as well this morning. His last three wins on the PJ Tour, they, they have come at 12 to 1, the players in 2016, when I would have thought he was world number one or close to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he won Torrey Pines 2018, he was 22 to 1, and Quail Hollow in 2018, same year, 20 to 1. He's 25 to 1 this week, and a lot of people go, oh, I can't bet Jason Dope 25 to 1. He's been 60 to 1 for the last couple of weeks, and 40 to 1. Oh, all the value's gone. Yeah, but he might actually win this week, and I'll take a 25 to 1 winner every week. You just look at you look at day second here, third here, seventh here. He's also got a thirteenth, a twelfth, and a fifteenth. That's just since twenty. Uh, that's up to twenty sixteen. And then you look at what he's done at the Northern Trust, which used to be called the Barclays Tournament. He has earned three and a half million dollars over his career at this to- this first tournament in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Fifth at Ridgewood, second at Ridgewood. First at Plainfield, fourth at Bethpage Black, sixth, sixth at Glen Oaks. So I'm marrying the two together. So let me get this straight. He loves this tournament. He always starts well in the playoffs and he gets on really well with TPC Boston. It's a marriage made in heaven, isn't it? Yeah, and he's certainly looked a lot more competitive over the last few weeks, hasn't he? He's... Um... His long game has been far, far improved Absolutely. compared to where we've seen it in the recent past. And if that's the reason why he hasn't won since going back to 2018, as you said, and you know is now looking far more likely, then I can see the logic. It didn't quite work at the USPGA, but what did he finish in the end? He was top fourth? three or yeah, fourth in that kind of bracket, wasn't he? He was, he, was, he was close enough to give you a bit of confidence that he can go well. He's been a... He's been a his irons have been a nightmare. Been a total and utter disaster. That's what's really, really hauled him down. You know, he has good driving weeks, but then he's always been a little bit patchy with the driver. But the last five outings on the PGA Tour, he's been positive in all of them. Half a stroke positive at the Rocket Mortgage. Half a stroke positive at the Workday. Two and a half strokes positive at the Memorial. 3.9 Strokes positive at St. Jude, top 10 for a strokes going approach. And then at the PGA Championship, and this is the one that really threw me over the edge, Paul. Second for greens in regulation, which is the first time he's done that for well over a year. And also 7.8 strokes gained approach with his irons at the PGA Championship. The best in the field. Yeah, they were far sharper, weren't they? 
far, far sharp. If he can keep those irons sharp, drive the ball a decent distance. I don't. He can still get it out there, but he, he isn't the Jason Day of old where he, he was the one that was number one for driving distance. But he's still in the top 40 or 50. And he can just keep the putter and the short. You know, we know that he's a great scrambler and putter. I think he's, with the momentum he's got, he must be entering this gun. Do you know what? I've been playing so well recently in big tournaments. This is a huge opportunity for me this week and next week to get that get that winless um, desert or void off my shoulders. Mm. Bearing in mind, this guy has won. He's an ex-world number one. He's won 12 times on the PGA Tour and a major. He's, he's oh, no really? mug. He's no mug, Jason Day, is he? No, no, no. He can get over the line. He can get over the line. He's, he's done it plenty of times. And, and he's been... Say, He's been there every Sunday for the, his last four outings. He just yeah. hasn't quite won. Yeah, yeah, he's knocking on the door. No, I can see the logic, and uh, yeah, wow. his, his, his price has been uh, it's been been trimmed in quite considerably. But uh, that's a reflection on how well he's playing. And uh, you know, the bookies are no mugs. They're not, they're not going to take a chance on a player who is showing solid signs of uh, contending form. This is the first line of my tip for this next guy. We all know. X has a win in him at some point, and personally, I'd rather be on him at a star-studded non-major where he's a 33-stroke 50-to-1 shot, as opposed to the 3M Open where he was a 14-to-1 chance. And that, in my psyche, is Tony Finau all over. Yeah, he can't win, doesn't win, but by God, he's a good player, and he's going to win at some point. You and I have had this conversation. We've had a chat with Barry about this, and a lot of other commentators are saying exactly the same thing. When Finau gets his win, it's going to be in a star-studded non-major tournament. It's going to be a memorial or a Bay Hill, or it's going to be something like the FedEx Cup playoffs. Yeah? Mm. Now, I don't see Tony winning at Eastlake very soon. He, could he handle the pressure? No, I don't think he could. could well, yeah. No. But... At something like a Northern Trust or a Dell Technologies as was or a BMW playoff, these are his results since 2016. 12th at Bethpage Black, 7th at Conway Farms, 2nd at Ridgewood, 4th at TPC Boston, 8th at Aronimink, and then last year he was 4th at Medina Country Club. Big boy golf courses, major venues, Tony Finau. And actually this golf course, long off the tee, the fairways this week are very generous. We're looking at 35 yards at 300 yards off the tee. That compares to 28 yards for the last two visits. So TPC high. So these green, uh, these fairways are effectively seven to eight yards wider on average than you, we saw at the PGA Championship. So Tony is going to hit more fairways. Yeah. And I also love about it, there's only two holes this week that have water in play. And as we saw at Memorial, Tony does like putting it in the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just to ruin his chances at that point. Yeah, it's, it's funny with Tony, isn't it? Because when he's you, you put him in a field where you'd expect him to win, and perhaps the pressure's just too high because it's you know he's got a fairly obvious chance. You put him in a an event where there's plenty above him in terms of the betting and expectations, and he probably plays better. Um, yet his bet his better has got to be even better than it is in order for him to win because of the field that he's playing against. It's a, it's a kind of catch-22 for Tony at the moment. But yeah, as you said, we know that he's highly capable and it's, it's just like, he's it's, it's, it's got to just fall over the line somewhere, isn't he? And then um, that, that you know, the next win that's in his, uh, 
in his repertoire and his CV will be on the card and away you go. I think he'll, he'll notch up a few after that. I'll quickly run you through the top 10 of the predictor model that I pulled together. 10, 10 Jason Day, 9 Matthew Wolf, 8 Cameron Champ, 7 Daniel Berger, 6 Justin Thomas, 5 Tony Fee now, McElroy at 4, Chauflay at 3, Rahm at 2, DeChambeau at 1. Best prices by a mile this week. Again, William Hill, 8 places each way. And they were 8 of my top 10 on the predictor model as of 30 minutes ago. They are absolutely outstanding on price. In terms of the top of the board, they are prepared to give you market best price. They have been for a number of weeks and months now. Don't yeah. forget, golf betting system, you can get a bet £10, get £40 in free bets, boosted offer. That's available with the promo code W40. You have to sign up with your mobile phone. No um, iPad, no... Uh, what do you, what, what's the technical term for an iPad? Tablet? Tablet. No tablet, no PC, no laptop, but sign up with your mobile. Whiskey 40 on the promo code. If you're in the Republic of Ireland, 40 euro of free bets, 40 pound of free bets in the UK. Key terms and conditions, of course, available at Golf Betting System. That was the top 10 of the predictor model. Who have you backed this week, Paul? Well, I've backed one whose name you you mentioned there. He's one of your tips as well, so I'll leave him to you because you've got far more detail on him. The only other one I have backed is Justin Rose. And I looked at the price for Rose, 66 to 1, mm, ninth of the USPGA. And the question I asked myself was, well, if he hadn't played last week at the Wyndham, if he hadn't missed the cut last week at the Wyndham and, and was coming in having finished top 10 at the PGA Championship, would he be 66 to 1? In an event where he's done well in the past, in, on a course where he's got four top tens, he was second last time that he played this back in 2018. Um, would Justin Rose, former world number one, be 66 to one to win this had he not missed the Kyle Wyndham last week? And in my mind, no, he, he'd be 33, 40s, one, something like that. So I'm going to completely ignore the fact that he missed the Kyle Wyndham and, and back him accordingly at 66 and see how he gets on. Um, I mean, he's a former playoff winner. Um, he won the BMW Championship a few years back. Um, you talked about the fact that players coming into this who haven't won for a while tend to be the way to to whittle down the field. And if you yeah. look, he's won, he's won every year going back since 2010. Yeah, he hasn't won in 2020. His last win was... Um, Torrey was Pines? Was it? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, the, Last year? Um, yeah, Farmers Insurance Open. Yeah, January. So what? So we're over eighteen months. Yeah, eighteen months or there or thereabouts. So he's right in terms of that stat that you talked about um, in the past. And as I say, he's got some cracking form here. Four top tens. He was tenth in twenty seventeen, second in twenty eighteen. Clearly loves the track. Um, marry it all together for a world class player. And um, I'm quite happy to take 66 on, 66 to 1 on with Justin Rose. I'm good at week after itis. So, yeah, I had him last week, missed the cut. It was absolutely <laughs> shocking. Round two, he improved a lot more. Um, yeah, yeah. But I'm just looking at the betting board. Um, do I bat Billy Horschel at 50 to 1? I, I heard this morning that he hasn't, he's barely made a cut here for the last four years. Or do I take on Justin Rose at 66s on a course where he, he's, you know, let's be frank, long off the tee, um, you know, theoretically this is perfect for him. Well, I'd take Rose. Would I take Rose over Fowler at 66 to 1? Yeah, I'd take Rose because Rose actually has a lot more win equity than Ricky Fowler. Yeah, I can see the logic there. 
So yeah, I'm quite happy to take Rose on. The the other guy, I'll say, I'll let you you go through your final two. Oh, just say say the name, Paul. Say it for me. <laughs> the, the other one, I think it was was he number seventh or eighth in your predictor was Cameron Champ. Yeah, and um, he's yeah. been overlooked this week. I think he has. Hundred to one, I took, no, in fact, I took ninety to one with extra places, which I think is the way that you played it. But um, there's a little bit of hundred to one out there if you are happy to take a, a fewer each way places. But either way, ninety hundred, that's a cracking price for a player who played so well at the PGA Championship. He's he's Bryson DeChambeau light, isn't he? Yeah. He literally is. He's. He's not as well-rounded as a Colin Morikawa or a, a, a Matthew Wolf or a Victor Hovland, yeah? We know that. He's, he's clunky. He, he, he's clunky when you watch him, but by God, can the boy drive a golf ball? Yeah, and he can win. You know, he's, he's, got, he's got a couple that's of... The other thing, Pete, that's the other thing people miss out on. Two PGA Tour victories already. Yeah. Yeah, they're not the most stellar of fields, but does that matter? He's 25 years of age. He's still learning the game. But you listen to this. At the PGA Championship, where he went out in the second last group with Morikara and finished 10th, so he's now got a major top 10. This is, it's, it's almost as if the age of golf is changing now. As you know, it, it, If you're good enough, you're, you're old enough now. That's the way this is more. These guys are so, so good. They're so mentally ready for it as well. He was first for driving distance at, P, at the PGA, 10th for total driving, thank you very much, 4th for greens in reg, 4th for ball striking, and 14th for all round. And then you look at his season long numbers, Paul, on a golf course where we know that you can bully it if you're good enough and long enough, yeah? 2nd for driving distance all drives, 8th for going for the green, yeah? He's 17th for birdie average. Remember I said at the top, top 23 for birdie average for the last four years. He's in the top 40 for par 5 birdie or better. What is there not to like at 100 to 1? No, no. If if he doesn't do anything, you've taken on a 100 to 1 shot and he's he's failed to... Why why are we backing Jordan Spieth at 80 to 1 or 66 to 1 when I can take a guy that can actually play golf and hit it really nicely... And was mixing it in a major championship two weeks ago at a hundred to one. Yeah. No, I'm with you. And it's not as if Jordan Spieth's doing any good in these strokes game predictor models. Is it? He's all over the place. Mm. There you go. The only other one I've backed, who is a is similar to Morikawa. He's better, in my opinion. I think he's got a bigger ceiling than Cameron Cham. I think Matthew Wolf could be. A very, very elite top 10 golfer in the world. Potentially yeah. even more than that. He's got everything. But he's just learning his craft. He's learning to play on the PGA Tour. And that fourth place finish last time out in his first ever major. Yeah. Seriously this is impressive. Here's what I'm saying. It's incredible. But actually, you look at Wolf and it's like, oh, yeah, it's Matthew Wolf. He's not bad. But he's no Colin Morikara, is he? Yeah, that, yeah that's true. But he's 37th in the world. He's 34th in the FedEx Cup standings. This is his second year on tour. And actually, again, he's like a hand in a glove. He really is. He at, well, he finished fourth last week, uh, two weeks ago, sorry, at the PGA. 11th for driving distance, 12th for accuracy. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Second for total driving. You won't be surprised. Mm. First for greens in regulation, first for ball striking, and fourth for all round. 
And most of the comments I've heard of, oh yeah, but you missed a couple of short putts, otherwise he'd have won. Yeah, well, I'll, 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 I'll kind of step back from the two four-footers he missed on the back nine, and I'll just concentrate on all the really good stuff. Yeah. 60-1, to one, I got him. At eight places each way with William Hill. Yeah, it was seriously impressive with the PGA, wasn't it? It's, uh, yeah, you, you can't deny he's, a, he's another one of these players in that elite crop coming through are going to win a lot of golf tournaments. And what he can get him at a price like that if he obliges, then um, fantastic. Happy days. I'll finish with this comment. These events are big tournaments to win, and all Barclays Stroke Northern Trust winners in, a, in the playoff era have been multiple PGA Tour event winners with nine of the past ten renewals being won by players who had previous upstate, so northern state in the US, victories. Matthew Wolfe hasn't got multiple victories, I'll give you that, but his one victory was in Minnesota at the 3M Open last year when he beat Bryson DeChambeau and Colin Morikawa. Bryson DeChambeau, that's the guy that won here two years ago. He won the 3M Open on bent grass greens, and that golf course at TPC Twin Cities is an Arnold Palmer design, as is TPC Boston. There's a lot to like about Matthew Wall. Yeah, lots of correlation. Let me, just, correlation. let me just quickly, before we move on to your event, I will run you through the Betfair exchange prices on those players that I'm backing. DeChambeau is 13.5. I'm literally looking at the exchange right now. 13.5 for DeChambeau. We have got... I'm playing for time because I can't find the names. 27 for Jason Day. Tony Finau is at 40 on the exchange. We've got Matthew Wolf at 65 on the exchange, and I'm really licking my lips for Cameron Champ. Cameron Champ is at—he's actually 100 on the exchange. So those are the exchange prices. Right, that's the Northern Trust. Let's move on to your event on the European Tour. It's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? The ISPS Handa Welsh Open. It is, yeah. Fairly straightforward in the respect that we're um, effectively on the second part of this um, Celtic Manor double header. So um, we're hanging about at Celtic Manor. We're hanging about at the 2010 course that we saw last week for the... Uh, for the Celtic Classic, and effectively, this is the um, COVID-induced rebirth of the uh, the Wales Open that used to be played on the P- uh, on the European Tour back um, between two thousand and twenty fourteen. Um, great course, isn't it? I don't know how much you caught of the golf last week, but it would be lovely to see Celtic Manor back on the schedule full time. Um, Perhaps. I I remember it, of course, at the Ryder Cup, and I mm. thought the I thought like the first nines a little bit. Mm, a little bit kind of standard, but the coming home, I remember it, it was a, yeah. it was a tough and it was a really good to watch golf course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Packed, yeah. There's a lot of excitement coming down the stretch, and there's mm. a, you know a lot of good holes as well. It'd be be great to see it as a regular fixture back on the uh, on the tour next year. But we shall see. We shall see how it all pans out as uh, as they work through what the uh, the way things are going to work in the in the in the years and months. And uh, going forward, but um, but yeah, it would be nice to see it more regularly. Um, so the question, I guess, this week is um, how different is this going to be to last week? And we saw back on the PGA Tour, we had the um, Muirfield Village double header. Yeah. Um, that going from the work day to the uh, memorial, the quality of the field um, went up dramatically, which yep. we aren't going to get this week. Um, but they also stepped up the the difficulty of the course two or three notches as well. So. 
Um, you did have quite a considerable difference between the two events. Um, I don't think you're going to get that this week. So I don't think there's a massive amount they can do realistically to the course um, to make it much different to how it played last week. The field is largely the same. There are a few changes. Andy Sullivan's dropped out. Joost Loughton, Thomas Detry, Scott Jameson are the main players at the top of the field who aren't playing this week. But then they've been replaced with the likes of Hal Tong Lee, uh, Bobby McIntyre, Eddie Pepperell, Marcus Kinholt. So you've kind of replaced almost like for like in terms of quality and position on the on the uh, the betting board. So um, I don't think the field has changed dramatically. I don't think the course can change dramatically. The conditions potentially, which I'll go into in a second, they, they could impact how it plays. Um, they may grow the rough out a little bit, I guess, compared to last week. But um, other than that, it should be um, fair, you know, fairly similar to last week. So, so last week's results, last week's event, should give us a fairly strong pointer as to what to expect this week. And uh, potentially, with a lot of the same players playing again, um, that may well give us a, a few hints as to the players who will perform well this time round. Um, in terms of the betting, Thomas Peters, he was he, 22, 25 to 1 last week because he was a bit of an unknown quantity, wasn't he, after coming back from um, what, four or five months out, having become a fiver in the meantime. Played quite nicely for parts last week. Um, 11 to 1, he's been put back in as the favourite this week. So any value you may have found in Peters has uh, quickly dried straight back up. But um, hmm. that's exactly where... He tends to find himself at the uh, the point of these um, the, these European Tour events, right at the very top of the betting. Eleven to one for Peters. Sam Horsfield twelve to one now, so he's been continually scythed after I backed him at sixty to one back at, um, at the uh, the British Masters, wasn't it? And he, he finished tenth there, won twice since, and now is sitting at second favourite for events such as this. Bobby McIntyre eighteen to one. Hal Tong Lee eighteen to one. Um, Gavin Green, 22 to 1. He played well. He played some nice stuff last week. Finished like a train um, around these parts at the weekend. So he's been well backed. Beef, 22 to 1. If it plays a little bit tougher this week, then Beef will be a decent uh, will be a decent shout, I think. Um, Mick Okahonen, Jordan Smith, 33 to 1. Eddie Pepperell, Ryan Fox, 35 to 1. 40 to 1, bar those players that I've mentioned so yeah largely similar field same track to last week so um, it's just get, I guess it's a case of trying to decipher what uh, what differences we're likely to see and um, the Horsefield's win last week didn't really change my view on the track to be fair statistically it's very similar to what we've seen from the winners before high GIR he hit 79% of greens last week he was top 15 for putting top 15 for scrambling so decent all-round game tends to be um the order of the day around these uh, this part of South Wales. I think the main difference this week will, will be that there is a fair bit of wind in the forecast. There's some uh, some windy weather coming into the UK in general this week. Okay. And uh, looking at Thursday, Friday, it looks like we're going to be averaging around about 20 miles an hour and the gusts could well be 30 miles an hour plus, which I think will wow. make... Yeah, it's an exposed track anyway, so I think it will make this play a little bit tougher. So the 18-under winning score we saw last week, I don't think we're going to get close to that. I think it's going to be closer to um, low double figures or maybe high single figures this week. Which, again, we've seen in the past with um, with Celtic Manor. When, it's, uh, when it plays tougher, um, it can be quite a uh, quite a stringent test and it can produce a 
relatively high winning score. So I'd su I'd suggest, I expect that there'll be a few points knocked off the winning score this week. But other than that, I think it's going to be um, pretty much as we were last week. Um, you know, if you look through the top 10 or so, top 20 um, finishers from last week, very few of them had form going back to the old Welsh Open days. So um, whilst we've got all of the data on the on the website for those older events that were held here or held at the Roman Road course, which is nearby, um, most of the players who performed and did uh, got, got themselves into contending positions last week really didn't have that um, Welsh Open form to, uh, to fall back on. So... I think if you're trying to find any pointers whatsoever, I think last week is going to be the closest you can get. And then mix in the fact that it's going to be a bit windier. Are the players that you, you fancy to go well going to be able to handle a little bit more wind? Are they going to be able to handle a bit of a grind? Um, throw that in the mixing pot and see where it comes out. I mean, for me, I've gone through that process. I've come back with four players that I've backed this week. And... Again, I've looked at the top of the market. I can't justify the price on Thomas Peters. Um, again, he had a great chance to win last week. He started well, fell away in the middle, finished like a train again to kind of mask what happened in the middle of the uh, the tournament. And um, his price gets halved as a result of that. And I, I can't be having him at 11 to 1. Sam Horsfield, unknown really. He, he, if he goes and wins a third tournament in four weeks this week, this week then, um, you know, hats off to him. But. At 12 to 1 you'd expect at some point the mental and physical fatigue to catch up with him um, as, uh, as he starts to kind of digest exactly what he's achieved over the last few weeks um, but we'll see I, uh, again if, if, if there was a player at the top of the market I've mentioned him a second ago that I was tempted on it was beef well, I think with a little bit more of a tougher setup this week in terms of the wind um, could be one to to look at, but he's been chopped. You know, it's a bit bit skinny for me. Twenty twos on beef, yeah. yeah. But that that ten to one scoring kind of target is right in his wheelhouse, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, it's it's just I, I, I do the things that concern me with beef is that he still seems a little fragile in terms of um the you know his, his mental approach to the game, and we've seen him pull out of tournaments and. You know, it's it's great that he's been so open and um, you know transparent about the struggles that he's had. I I think it's 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 difficult for me to justify backing him at a short price in case it just doesn't work for him in that particular week. But uh, mm. yeah, if you look at it in terms of the setup for the course and the the the, the way that it should match certain skill sets this week, then I, it's, it's difficult to strike off your list. I must say. And for me, I've gone a little bit further down. Um, I'm going to stick with Connor Syme at the top of my list this week, at the top of my card. I lost patience with Sam Horsfield too quickly back in the uh, when he finished tenth at Close House, and look what happened after that. And I'm not going <laughs> to make the same mistake with Connor Syme. Um, 54 hole lead last week. Um, he shot a Saturday 63, which tied the best round of the week. I'm not sure that we can categorise his um, level par final round as a collapse. Um, I think he still um, showed enough um, ambition. He still showed enough desire to win that golf tournament, even coming down to the last couple of holes to suggest that um, it's all just going to be part of a learning curve for him. And, uh, you know, he should be able to take a lot of the positive aspects from last week on and uh, move forward and uh, potentially... Um, go a step further this week. So I thought 50 to 1, given how well he did play last week for the vast majority, was well worth taking on. 
Uh, second player backed is Sammy Valimaki. Um, he reminds me a lot of how Matt Wallace um, burst onto the scene mm. a few years back. And Wallace had been tearing up on the Alps Tour, whereas Valimaki has been on the um, on the Pro Golf Tour. Um, four wins last year he achieved over the course of um, a relatively short stretch of time. Yeah. And a lot of these players can't step immediately up to the European Tour level, but Valimaki did. He, he won impressively in Oman. He was the playoff winner over Brandon Stone, who we backed, as you may recall. I do. That was a 13-under win, that one. So, again, it wasn't one of these tournaments where the scoring gets way out of control. It was windy, um, though, wasn't it? It was windy, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of correlation between that and this. Um, seventh prior to that win... Um, over in Oman um, so sixth place finish here last week is encouraging um, 82% of greens and regulation last week 66-65 over the weekend was tied best of all of the players for their weekend performance so 66-1 mm. um, is the best you'll get on Valimaki right now they've got a little bit of 80s he started he opened up in places at 110-1 yesterday Wow, which was mad price if you managed to get on anything close to that then very very well done but um, I think he's back down to the kind of level and the kind of price that he should be for this golf tournament. At sixty six is in that kind of in that kind of bracket. And um, finally, got a couple who are triple figures. Uh, Max Kiefer, who's one of these players who does play better when things get tougher. Um, he won in the Challenge Tour at seven under par back in the day. He lost the Spanish Open. Remember that one that was that went off went on for about two hours with. Um, uh, Raphael Jacqueline, that was five under par, the uh, the score to get into the uh, playoff that particular week. He's one of these players who can grind and does tend to pop up when conditions do turn a bit tougher. Um, he showed quite a bit of positive form post-lockdown. He was, he was pretty poor prior to that, but sixth um, and then 14th last week. So some positive um, outings since the, uh, since the uh, lockdown ended 13 under par last week for the par fives he seems to have worked out how to score around celtic manor and uh, if he can get 13 under for the par fives or thereabouts this week i think that's going to put him in great stead for a decent competitive total for a hundred to one shot and finally uh will besling the uh, the dutchman he's been around for a while actually besling but um, his name's only really started to resonate on european tour leaderboards over the last few months he did look a decent prospect going back to when he started. 2008 is when he turned pro. He won by seven strokes on what was just his 10th professional start back on the Challenge Tour in the day and looked like one of these real you know, strong prospects to move forward. But uh, it's just really not quite worked since. Six runner-up finishes must be a bit frustrating for him on the Challenge Tour since, uh, since that win. But he started to show some decent form on the European Tour over the last six months or so. Um, seventh at the KLM Open at the back end of last year, third at Leopard Creek, and third at the Austrian Open, and then 11th last week at uh, Celtic Manor. Leads the tour for greens and regulation, leads the tour for strokes gained off the tee as well. So in terms of his fit for this week, I think he's very, very strong. And 110 to one is the reward you're going to get. Um, with Will Besling, if he can get another... Um, strong finish this week. So. He is sixty-six to one with a, quite a few mm. bookmakers out there bezzling, and you're on five places each way. I caught the odds. The old with 
bet three six five. That's a mad price. Yeah, yeah. And, and the way I've looked at it is, he's finished three. To, uh, he's finished top three in two of his last seven starts. I think it is. Mm. So he's clearly shown that he's capable yeah. of getting into those kind of higher finishing positions. So, so yeah, I've taken the price. I, t- I tend to get blinded on the price over the uh, each way places. I must say, but uh, well. Listen to this. Sim is fifty to one on the exchange right now. Falamaki is at sixty. And you you're saying you saw him at hundred plus yesterday. Hundred and ten to one he opened, yeah. Key for one twenty and Will Besling is ninety five on the exchange, and you can still get right now hundred and ten with bet three six five. Mm. If you fancy him, get yourself on with three six five right now. Mm. That's crazy. Indeed. Yep. Yep. Some, some disparity there, but yeah, that, uh, Valet Mackey's been backed off the board since uh, since yesterday, and quite rightly so. I think I think the, the prices he's put up at um, early doors were ju- were just plain wrong for him. So uh, if you fancy a bit of him, then do jump on board sooner rather than later before the price gets decimated completely. Are there any other you know poor, tough, technical weather condition experts out there that you've kind of had a look at that you think might? Pull something out of the bag this week. Yeah, the, the, the the closest I came was with Beef, and uh, he won back at Valderrama um, three or four years ago, and that mm. was again Valderrama is a tough track anyway, but they were, it was a reasonably tough week as well, and uh, he showed the mental fortitude to to get himself around that week. There's a little bit of water under the bridge with Beef since, and um, I you know, had he been in the kind of 40 to 1 bracket I don't think I'd have hesitated but half that price was yeah. just enough to put me off but uh, he's the closest I think he's the, he's the closest that um, would come to uh, to someone who fits this particular setup. as I see it I mean we'll sit wait and see you know, whether weather conditions can change and forecast can change but it does look like it's going to be uh, fairly windy for the players this week which does add a different element to what we saw last week Based upon your positivity last week, I take it that Nicholas Colsarts wins by six this week, yeah? <laughs> the thing with Colsarts is he struggled with his back. He woke up on oh. a Wednesday morning. Typical. And, He'd read your yeah, tips. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, He'd read my tips. Oh, let's, let's tweak my back. Um, and he, <laughs> he, he, he very nearly didn't start on Thursday, which had he not started on Thursday would have saved me a few bobs and I got money back for the non-runner. But... Uh, he, he clearly um, kind of right. soldiered through it. Started yeah. really well, and then um, then found it a little bit hampered him with his swing. So he just he couldn't see it through, which mm. was a real shame because I thought he had a great chance last week. So so yeah, I've steered clear of him. But um, I expect he's taken a couple of uh, Prozac or something, and he'll probably come out and shoot twenty under. But potentially one for the near future because he's clearly once he can get rid of that back issue, he's been yes. playing some very nice stuff. Mm. Yeah, you got it. You got okay. it. Yeah. But we'll see. Well, I wish you uh, wish you luck with your uh, four runners this week. Yeah, you too. Best of luck. Looking forward to this week. Looks like a, a strong week on both sides. So uh, fingers crossed. Enjoy the rest of your holiday. I shall. Thank you. Uh, I'll enjoy my holiday when I finally disappear on Friday. There will be, as I said at the top of the show, no podcast, no golf betting show next week. But then we'll be with you right the way through to the middle of December. So uh, you can't moan too much. Thank you for your time, Paul. It's been a pleasure as always. Yeah, best of luck. Best of luck to you. Best of luck to the listeners. I hope you go well this week, both on your betting and DraftKing cards. We will see you again very soon. Look after yourselves. Goodbye.